Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Introvert Theater Podcast. This is Serge, and today we're going to be talking about the film The Wrestler, as directed by Darren Aronofsky, uh, written by Robert Siegel. It stars um, Mickey Rourke as Randy the Ram Robinson, uh, Marissa Tomei as Cassidy, and Evan Rachel Woods as Stephanie, who is Randy's estranged daughter. Uh, it has a score composed by Clint Mansell of Popolite itself, which is a really cool band. If you haven't, if you're up to checking out something different, and Slash actually of Guns N' Roses. Uh, it also features music from Quiet Riot, Cinderella, Rat, and Firehouse, and Guns N' Roses, of course. And I guess we should start with what it's about. Okay, so it's about a wrestler who's past his prime and who's still being booked for these small-time independent shows. And in a sense, he's reliving his uh, heyday in the 80s. Um, he does this during the weekend, and during the weekdays he works at a, at a local supermarket in New Jersey. Now, he's also befriended a a stripper named Cassidy who works at a strip club that he frequents. Uh, Cassidy herself is an aging stripper and unfortunately oftentimes finds herself as a victim of ageism. Uh, there's a scene in the film where, you know, she's she's trying to, um, I guess, um, come up to these patrons of the bar and um, offer lap dances and so on, and they just kind of laugh at her, asking her how old she is, and, you know, making fun, poking fun, saying that she looks like they could be their mother. Um, at that point, actually, in that scene, since I'm talking about it now, uh, Randy kind of breaks up the group and tries to scare him off and starts cussing him out. They eventually leave, and he's left there um, to talk with Cassidy, and they sit, and she just kind of is gyrating on him, and he's really not interested in in that kind of closeness, per se. He's um, more or less trying to establish a connection with her and have a real conversation. But of course, she treats him as a client and sees him as nothing more. Uh, during that same scene... You know, after she's done and he pays her, they sit and talk for a bit, and she notices that he's bleeding, uh, which is from a match that kind of starts off the movie. And he's showing her, he's, you know, showing off all of his scars, and she looks at him, and all of a sudden she quotes Isaiah 53, um, verse 5. She says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we were healed. Now, you can read into that how you'd like, but in Randy's line of work, um, he essentially experiences pain for a certain type of pleasure that he gets from the crowds and from his co-workers. Um, but in a way, I guess he, he does kind of suffer on behalf of the crowd. You know, they're there to see blood, and 
he's there to provide as a form of entertainment. Um, he, of course, doesn't know what she's quoting, so he, he asks her what it is, and she says it's from the, the film The Passion of the Christ. And she responds something, she responds to him with something along the lines of, you know, you've got to check it out. They really beat the shit out of him for two and a half hours or something along those lines. So it kind of breaks up a serious moment, which is kind of how their relationship is. You know, they, they at, at some point in conversation, start having some sort of real connection, and then it's always broken up by some sort of joke or what have you. So, long story short, um, Randy suffers a heart attack after a hardcore match that he has with the Necro Butcher. And this hardcore match involves, um, you know, plate glass windows, it involves uh, strobe lights, it involves pipes, nails, I believe, uh, even a staple gun. Um, so after the match, he goes to the back and he's getting all the staples pulled out of him and he's just a mess. You know, he's just covered in blood and he just collapses after vomiting. So after that experience, naturally his doctor tells him that he's not to wrestle anymore because it's too much strain on his heart and to stay away from steroids because he's a huge... Um, steroid addict to keep himself, um, you know, in tip-top shape for someone his age. Um, by the end, I guess the, the, the interesting thing about the film that I enjoy most, before I touch on the ending, is both Cassie and... Both Cassie and Randy are, in a way, the two central characters... And they're very similar because of the way the uh, the movie's shot. Sometimes the camera is behind Randy um, to make him seem larger than life. So, for example, there's a scene where he's working at the at the deli counter, and this is after he's quote unquote retired, and he is walking through the the cooler. And he can still hear, and we as the audience can hear uh, the crowd cheering, but of, of course there's nobody there. And the camera kind of follows him through um, those plastic curtains that kind of divide the cooler from the rest of the store. And he just kind of goes through them, and when he goes through them, the crowd silences. So it's kind of like even... Um, there's little things about life that kind of remind him of the ring that remind him of where he is idolized. And then he's hit with the sad reality that he's no longer able to wrestle and he's just a commoner, basically. Um, that camera shot is used with Cassie a couple of times. You know, she, she can hear the mu the music playing in the club and the camera's behind her, and she's she walks towards a curtain, and you can tell just by the way she carries herself and by the way she walks 
she seems really confident confident until she steps out one day um walks to the pole and gyrates and what have you and she realizes that you know there's hardly anybody there watching her so there's hardly any tips and she's kind of feels like she's wasting her time and with that um by the end of course and randy ignores um ignores his um doctor's orders and he wrestles a match but before he does and before he steps out uh cassie actually goes backstage and meets him and they kind of reconcile and she tries to get him to stay and he says something along the lines of it's not what he experiences in the ring that hurts him but the only place that he gets hurt is out there with real people and so he leaves her there, walks through the curtains, and faces an, an old opponent from the 80s uh, named the Ayatollah in what we can presume is his last match. Um, he starts to have all sorts of chest pain during the match, and uh, the Ayatollah is trying to guide him through the match and just kind of end it. Um, what I like about this film, actually, is... It kind of shows the camaraderie uh, between pro wrestlers and how that relationship kind of works and how they actually speak to each other during a match and kind of lead each other, um, lead each other through it and are basically just there to protect each other and make a buck. You know, no one really wants to hurt one another in a pro wrestling match. So... Yeah, like I said, it, it, it ends kind of with, um, it doesn't give you a definitive answer. You know, it ends with him jumping off the top rope and delivering his finishing move to the Ayatollah, but you never see the move connect. You know, he just kind of jumps off camera and it fades to black. So you can assume that he either died or you can draw your own conclusion from it. So... How does this film relate to introversion? Well, if we're talking about the three main characters uh, being Randy, Cassie, and Randy's daughter, uh, Stephanie, each of them um, during the film are living their own separate lives. Uh, Cassie is divorced and has a kid, so she's a single-parent mother, um, just trying to provide. Randy, uh, of course, is single. He's living in a trailer park, and he's barely making ends meet. Uh, in fact, he starts off the movie by getting locked out of his out of his trailer because he's behind on rent. And Stephanie, by this point... Um, hasn't made contact with her father in years. He actually kind of abandoned her because he was so caught up in the, the, in the industry, the pro wrestling industry. So she's since moved on. She's in college, um, and living with another woman. Um, who the insinuate is her girlfriend. And 
it's um all three of these characters seemingly are okay in their lives but at the same time they they all kind of build a dependency upon each other and it's not necessarily a bad thing it's actually really similar to the first rocky film uh not only because of the setting of course they're both on the east coast both about underdogs but rocky tends to be more about building these connections um with people and just kind of treasuring those connections and using those connections to better yourself you know rocky is only as good as the people he connects with um he's not the type of character that would admit it but he's rocky ultimately ends up being a better person because of adrian and and everyone else um that he meets throughout that first film Whereas with this one, Randy's just kind of comfortable in his own skin and eventually warms up to the idea of meeting or trying to reconcile with his daughter again. And of course, he, he does try and advance towards Cassie a few times throughout the film. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, she just treats him as a client. And she doesn't really come around until the end when she kind of realizes that he does care in his own way, and maybe her life, um, may, maybe it would be beneficial for her to have him around. You know, there's something there, there's some kind of connection that they have. But unfortunately, he's, unlike Rocky, um, Randy just kind of gives in and truly believes that the world doesn't care about him, unfortunately. Uh, where Stephanie... He does reconnect. He takes her to, um, he takes her beachside, um, where there used to be some sort of haunted house that he would take her to during the, during Halloween. And they reconnect and he admits to being lonely and, and broken down piece of meat is what he says specifically. And he even tells her that he doesn't want to be alone at that moment. So he's really open and honest and apologetic, but Again, unfortunately, unlike Rocky, he really screws up when him and his daughter decide to meet up again over the weekend, and he completely misses their their dinner date or whatever whatever it was that they set up over snorting cocaine and just passing out for an entire day. So unfortunately, that, that throws a wrench in their relationship, and she just completely cuts him off and, you know, never speaks to him again. So I wanted to talk a bit about the authenticity in the film, and I guess to an extent my love of professional wrestling. <laughs> um... I liked how they used bits of uh, professional, I guess, lingo that they use in professional wrestling, uh, like cheap heat, heel, face, kayfabe, things like that. Uh, there's an entire glossary of wrestling terms, and I highly recommend uh, you can you can look it up online. Look up the list of um, wrestling terms, and it's just a really unique language unto itself. 
Um, but it helped kind of, it, it, it helps kind of engulf you in that world. It, it makes it more believable. And you truly do get a good sense of camaraderie between the pro wrestlers. And you really get the sense that they're watching out for each other. No matter how barbaric the sport looks. Now, my reaction to the film initially um, was that it was kind of depressing. And there are certain actual pro wrestlers that share that that sentiment, but um, it's, it's kind of interesting, I guess, to compare that film with what, it, what eventually becomes of the superstars that we grew up with in the 80s. Um, for those of you that have watched, let's say, the WWF since the 80s and maybe the WCW in the 90s, you, you invest in these characters because they're, they truly are larger than life. And as we get older, we come to notice that unfortunately they're dying off much sooner than they should. You know, some in their 40s, 50s, and all because of steroid use. And among other things, you know, um, it's really kind of sad in a way because, like I said, you, you, you invest in these people, um, which are essentially actors, but when they, when they pass, it's, it's just, you feel like it's a member of your family or, a, you know, a good friend that has passed. So, I guess the film versus real life, it's, there's a lot of truth to it. Uh, reading certain wrestlers' reactions to it, there's there's usually two perspectives. Either they feel that, that it's not an accurate portrayal of the wrestling industry, or some of them have very well experienced it themselves in their own lives. And I don't know. I guess it's just... Um, it's a hard watch. It's, it's actually... A lot of Darren Aronofsky's films are. A lot of them deal with... With the relations between physical pain... And... The strain that comes along with... Um, with relationships... And... Maintaining those relationships. It's, it's a really weird... It's it's a really strange... He has a really interesting perspective on life, let's say. But it's his perspective nonetheless, and I find it to be entertaining and challenging in a lot of ways. And I say that because it's... it's a lot of his films aren't... You know, they're, they're not huge moneymakers, let's say. But they're genuine. And that's really hard to come by. So, I guess that's a good place to stop. Um, it's just one of those films that that I tend to watch every so often. Um, maybe once a year or so. And for whatever reason, it just kind of clicked. You know, the, the relationships to the lingo, to the settings, all of it just came across extremely genuine. And 
like I said, it's it's hard to come by films like this, and they truly are special. So um, if you haven't seen it, please do check out The Wrestler. Um, I haven't really decided what the next episode is going to be. I'd like to do another Let's Talk just to kind of touch base um, and talk about the podcast so far. I'm almost 30 episodes in. Uh, but I think the next episode, I'll, I'll go ahead and go back to the listener's choice. And I'll talk about the film There Will Be Blood, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. So until then, uh, thanks for listening. Drink your water, stay healthy. And until next time, take care.